Oh, wow. <laughs> Guess who's back? Back the again. Band. The band is back. Three ways back. Holy Tell a friend. It has been a long time, hasn't it, boys? Too long. Totally Too long. agree. And, you know, not, to see and, you? and not like much has been going on either. <laughs> In the golf Scott's, Scott's wearing a flannel shirt, so you know that's how long we've been off the air. Okay? <laughs> yeah, and we he have... was shirtless the last time we recorded, so that tells you the, the temperature difference between then and now. <laughs> Which one do you prefer? <laughs> You've got a nice body. <laughs> You know what, Maddie? Just the the mere pause was enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are back and obviously a lot of stuff going on. Some of it non-show related, some of it show related. You know, the crush of of an NHGA tournament season for me um, sort of limited my availability. We had some stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't really need to get into, which affected the ability to record shows. We did record a show during the state am, but that one had technical issues. So it never saw the light of day, but, but Hey, we're, we're back. As Scott said, a ton to get into on that note. We don't, we, we want to make clear to Jim Jankowski had nothing to do with him predicting James Pleat winning the state am. That's not why we, we canceled the show. There were legitimate production issues. So Jim don't take it personally. It was a good pick. And trust me, I've heard that from him, that he picked the winner and and nobody's ever going to believe him now because we don't have the actually recorded evidence of him doing that. But he did. Well, there we go. We just acknowledge it. Well, 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 let's pivot one more time because Sam Natty, you let me down again. Thanks, big boy. <laughs> oh, poor Sam. OK, nobody's ever said that before. What, poor Sam? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, come hey, on. There was plenty of people have said you've let me down before. <laughs> Well, it seems appropriate, t- TK, that you bring in Matt Keen at this point. <laughs> By the way, so getting into that, and we're digressing right off the bat here, but I had the opportunity in the second round of the Mid-Am team with, with your son, Tom Scott, to play with Sam and Matt. Oh, really? How'd that pairing come about? I, it was just the way things shook out. Of course um, it did. And I have to tell you, that is some playing with those two is something that everyone who plays golf and loves golf should experience one at least once in their life. They are a married couple. It's it's unbelievable. I've never seen such um, such joy in someone's partner hitting a bad shot that I see when Sam from Sam, when Matt hits a bad shot, it is really just pure, pure joy and sarcasm that comes from his mouth. I believe if I understand it correctly, that there was um, a laser brought out after a certain drive that went somewhere around the 49 yard mark. I, th- Is that- I think it was 48 yards. My um, bad was, yeah. was how far the tee shot went. And, you know, I, I, I know I give off this allure that I'm this professional all the time. It was actually my idea for me to run back to the tee and Sam could laser me from Matt's ball. So we could actually get the exact distance for how, for how far it went. So great effort. Um, great effort. Yeah. I was, I was certainly privy to the pilot on there, but it was, I, it was a good time. I'm going to tell you that Sam was awful joyful. Then if you're saying he found joy in Matt's bad shots over those two days, <laughs> he was on top of joy mountain. At that joy point. mountain. He certainly yeah. was. And Jake and I took a little money from uh, Sam and Matt both days. So I uh, checked the box. I'm good for you guys. There you go. Well, I feel like we should kind of start, um, with with the most recent going on and goings on in the world of golf, um, which would be last weekend, where we saw or did we see the greatest non-major playoff in history between Patrick Cantlay and and Bryson DeChambeau? I mean, 
Um, just unbelievable golf back and forth. Um, you throw in everything else with Bryson. There's always something else, right? There seems to be. Um, but Scotty, t- tell us your thoughts on, on that exhibition between those two last weekend. I, I think you're right. I think it was as an enjoyable golf event as I can remember watching that wasn't a major. Um, and, and I hate to even qualify it in that manner, but, but because it wasn't, you know, that huge event that do we all, you know, put on the calendar, look forward to, I think it's a notch below, but the reality is it was spectacular. And the fact it kept going and going was amazing. I mean, honestly, it never should have gotten to a playoff. Mm-hmm. It never should have gotten to a playoff when, when, Wait, so what Cantley makes a great par save on 16. He then goes to 17 and he puts in the water. Did, did not everyone think it was over. Right. And then somehow he gets out with a have on 17, but he still won down. And then he makes a, a what was it? A 20 footer. I'm not sure what it was, but on 18. So then he gets into a playoff, but at no point did it feel like, um, Patrick was going to win. I mean, Bryson had chance after chance after chance, um, and yet it was spectacular. I mean, it's, it, it was, it was great. And I think there's lots of things discussed within the playoff. Like for example, the whole atmosphere with the whole Bryce and Brooksy thing. Um, I think we need to take a look at the playoff scenario. We can't keep playing 18 over and over and over again. That needs to be sort of revisited, but, but at the risk of picking it apart, it was spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. I was at an afternoon barbecue, so I wasn't watching kind of regulation time. And I went to see who the winner was and said, going to a playoff. So I figured I was just playoff scoring was going to pop up and they were on the first playoff hole. So I kind of went inside of the house we were at the barbecue at, <laughs> turned on their TV. And next thing you know, for an hour later, my wife's like, where are you? I'm like, it's six holes in. <laughs> I'm glued to the TV. It was amazing. I tell you the shot that will somewhat get overlooked or maybe not, but when Bryson put it in the drink on 18 on, I think that was the fourth playoff hole and then stuck it to four or five feet and made that putt to keep going. Cause he hits it in the water. You said, okay, this is over now. We're done after four holes. I mean, it was just amazing. It kept, there was drama building every hole and then can't lay throwing the laser in on 17 after Bryson was already in there tight. It was, I mean, just that, was that was unbelievable. That was, that was one of those shots where to me, Cantlay was in that zone that all of us mere mortals have have sort of been in at some time or another when you're playing really good. But in that moment to step up and put it inside of him, that that actually made me audibly go, wow, watching that, because that's one of those shots I think you're always going to remember, because at that point you're thinking, okay, you know, he's he'll hit it to 30 feet. Bryson's going to roll in. We're going to be done here. But no, he puts it inside of Bryson. That was that was unbelievable to me. That was awesome. But, you know, back to your, your comment about the par that Bryson makes after driving into the water. Isn't it interesting? And golf is such a mind game. Isn't it interesting that that's the time he gets up and down from about the same distance he was four or five other times? Isn't it ironic that that's the time he makes the five footer when he had many, many chances to put it away and couldn't? Um, and it's just amazing how your mindset changes and your whole sort of perspective changes when you have to make something as opposed to, you know, he didn't have to make the six footer for birdie to win in, in, in uh, the first playoff hole, I think it was or whatever, but I mean, it's, it's just sort of, I, I never thought he was going to miss the one that he needed to make for par to keep it going. And yet I certainly felt like, well, the one he missed that was six feet was the same putt really that he had to shoot 59. Right. Wasn't it? Yep. I mean, it was, it was uh 
So I don't know. Well, I think I think Cantlay shot on the par three plays into that because if he hit first, you know, don't you think it's a different conversation with this caddy of, you know, 10, 12 feet is fine here. Don't even mess with that bunker because the pin was front right. If you short side yourself, you're in big trouble. Bryson hits first to call it conservatively eight feet. Now his mindset is I have to throw a dart here. And that's what he does rather than sort of thinking I can play a little more defensively, hit a safe shot here, get on the green, then put the pressure on him. The pressure was on him in that moment. And he hit a phenomenal golf shot. Totally agree. And, and, and to add to that, Bryson ripping it down the middle on 18, how many times? Mm-hmm. And, and Patrick now has to step up knowing full well that he needs a good one and a good one still going to be 30 to 40 yeah. yards behind the guy who's in the fairway. Yep. I mean, uh, but he kept doing it. And that was the great thing to see, you know, mental toughness there was spectacular, spectacular. Well, yeah. You know, when a guy I'm playing with tells me to stop moving when I'm 40 yards away, I, I sort of bear down and hit good shots too. Well, then maybe you should stop moving. (laughs) You know, I had, I actually had to catch up on that on Monday. As I said, I wasn't watching regulation and I I saw all the banter online and I was like, I didn't really understood when it happened. I didn't realize it was kind of earlier in the, in the round. It was on 14, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, It was on 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's to me. I had never seen somebody get called out. I'd never now, uh, I can see somebody moving and you being bothered by it, but I never had seen somebody called out, especially in a manner that they were head to head battling each other. Really. It was only a two person race. At that yeah. point. Um, I mean, absolutely. does it surprise anyone that it's Bryson though? It just, it's, I, and I'm not saying he was right or wrong, but it, it's, it, it's getting to the point where it's, it's always something with him. And some of it is self-inflicted. If you want to call it that like this, t- telling Cantlay to stop moving. Um, I do think we need to get into the Brooksy stuff a little bit, but man, it seems like the drama seems to, f- to follow him wherever he goes. And again, some of it self-inflicted, some of it not necessarily, but it's, it, to me, it's getting to the point where what's it going to be this week with him, especially when he's in contention. Well, I think that's just it. I mean, and Cantley took the high road on Monday saying, you know, it didn't bother me. I understood it. No big deal. But I think if it wasn't the dramatic Bryson piece, I bet that that and Scotty was saying, you know, we've never heard that before. I bet it has happened, but it's so irrelevant that it just doesn't come to the surface. But because it's Bryson, it's right to the top and it's news, a story and everybody's talking about it. Well, and in fairness, we have to acknowledge, well, we, we all three of us, I think have acknowledged our, um, I don't know how I want to phrase it. I, I guess I'll say our dislike for Bryson, right? None of us, I think, cheer for Bryson. And yet we have to be fair and say, what an incredible talent this guy is. And so when you say, of course, we only see it because it's Bryson, but Bryson's always around the lead. He's yeah. always got the TV cameras on him. So inevitably, while he does sort of step on himself a number of times uh, consistently in every event, the reality is he's always there and his talent is, I mean, again, I'm not a fan, but you can't, you cannot not acknowledge his incredible talent. I mean, Oh, it's, it's undeniable what he's, you know, you look at the boom that golf has been in for the last couple of years. And we talked about it back during, um, during the API that the impact that he was making on the game with talking about trying to drive par fives, and he's, he has backed it up. I hate it. Cause I don't like him. I don't root for him. Um, I, I really, 
I don't know what I'm going to do in three weeks. I don't know how I'm going to actually root for him in, in a big match in the Ryder cup. Uh, I, I, what if I really don't against Rory in the singles. Oh my gosh. What do you do then, Matt? I mean, I Matt, he'll be, Matt, he'll be four down in a TKI match at that point. Don't worry. <laughs> wow. Well, wow. listen, Matt, that was a backhanded compliment because that suggests you're playing Sunday when not it's everyone so gets true. to play Sunday. It's so, so true. Uh, you it's know, so that, <laughs> I hope Mike doesn't listen to this. My, my, my partner, he'll not be happy with that. That'll now we need one more listener. We need you, Mike. Stay on board. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just, and I mean, I totally lost my train of thought now. Thank you, TK. I'm out. I just, you know, he's, I agree with you, Scott. He's, he's totally transformed the game. He is must see TV as much for somebody like me who wants to see him fail. And I hate to say that because I'll never accomplish anything close to what he has, but he's, he, he, he kind of plays the villain role. He doesn't care what people think. He uh, I, I disagree. hundred percent disagree. He's clearly showing he does care. Um, and that saying he doesn't care is his way of masking that he does care because there's, there's no question that he cares. And you've heard, I guess heard, I should have, I should have phrased it better. He's, he's going to be him and he's going to, he's yeah, going to go full bore every time. But that's and, all he uh, knows how to be. I mean, I, I, look at he's brought a lot of this on himself because of who he is. And, and unfortunately he is who he is. Right. And so he's a lightning rod for controversy. And, and he, he does a lot of things that people shake their head or roll their, roll their eyes at. And, and I think that's just who he is. I, I, I don't think he understands some of the things he does. He's so consumed with being as great as he possibly can be and doing it his way that he doesn't necessarily realize some of the things he says and does, but, but if you watch closely and listen to the comments, there's no question. I mean, Harris English played with him. Harris English said, there's no question. It bothers him. How can it not? No, you're right. And, and I would even go further. One of the things that stood out to me in the playoff was, and I was getting uncomfortable from the standpoint of boy, it, it almost felt like we were, uh, we were throwing Bryce into the lions, you know, in, in ancient Rome in the sense that, what a tough atmosphere for him to play in because there was this clear Patrick Cantlay pro fan sort of thing going on. And on top of that, there's a number of, you know, Brooksy stuff, which is just a, the different way of saying, you know, Fungu, right? I mean, it's, it, it, it was getting uncomfortable in the sense of this whole thing has gotten, this whole thing has gotten blown way out of whack. And, and now we are affecting not only Bryson in the play on the course, but even people who play with him. And I think that, um, you know, and I don't know, I guess we're slowly creeping into uh, the whole Brooks Bryson thing. And, and, and the reality is that PJ tour came out yesterday. This is now Wednesday before the tour championship, but yesterday, Jay Monahan comes out with, with, you know, I guess new rules or policies about um, saying things you shouldn't be saying, but, but, but it was hard not to acknowledge um, my discomfort for the tone and the atmosphere on some ways of what took place on Sunday. TK, what I, I think you're right, Scott. We we've got to talk about the Brooksy stuff. TK, give give us some of your thoughts there. I mean, it's I, I it was to me it was kind of humorous a little bit um, at the beginning, but it's becoming unrelenting and to the point obviously and mean-spirited. that 
and mean spirited. The tour had to step in. So TK, give us some of your thoughts there. Yeah, I agree. And so if you go back to the, the event, the inaugural event they had at Congaree, there was a social media pic taken by you know one of the fans that was there that day during one of the practice rounds. And Monaghan had flown up that morning and was walking down the fairway with Brooks. And he was kind of saying, and this is what they surmised out of. They said, hey, hey, Brooks, we got we got to tone this down a little bit. And they're trying to do it on the on the back end first. And now you look two months later and it's just continued to escalate. And, you know, I think we have to wrap in that kind of that social media bonus to this conversation. But that's what I think has still driven a lot of this to continue. And then the fans have just piled on. And, and I agree that Jay had to say something. Um, it's not going to come off great regardless of what they say, because now you've got people taking both sides of the equation. Um, but they had to say something. Golf is still an etiquette game. It's a class game. It's got that as the undertone. And, and we have sportsmanship, to be, being sportsmanship, being a gentleman, let your clubs do the talking. I mean, let, let's, let's have the winner decided by on course, how you play, not because outside interference and, and affecting it. And I, you know, look at one of my new faves and, and I love Harry Higgs. I don't know if you guys follow Harry Higgs mm-hmm. and uh, he is fun. He is funny, a great yep. player as well. Um, and, and, and in fairness to, to put in full context, um, he was a teammate of Bryson at SMU. So he does come from a little bit of a Bryson camp, but, um, as a golfer, um, I thought his quotes were spot on that he, he suggested that the fan behavior has been wildly his his words now wildly inappropriate. Um, and, and, and that, well, let me see if I can remember exactly. So wildly inappropriate. And also this is not in the spirit with which the game is played, should be played. It's not how we grew up. Um, and, and, it's, and he acknowledges that both Bryson and Brooks have not acted well at times, but, but it's reached this point where it's now affecting play on the field, so to speak. And I think that's when things have to change. I don't care if you cheer for Brooks, cheer for Bryson, don't cheer for him, whatever. But when fan behavior starts affecting play on the field in golf, that needs to change. It, well, it's it isn't football and baseball and all those other things, but golf is different. It's, it's it a like shame. the old man there, but no, I look, it's a shame that, we couldn't have taken what happened on Sunday evening at face value, which was two guys in ridiculously good form having a great battle because I think Scott, you make a great point about feeling uncomfortable. It was almost like, you know, what's going to happen next. Is somebody going to get in Bryson's face at some point? And, and it sounds like there was an incident after the round where Bryson clapped back at somebody about it. And I don't find him a sympathetic figure, but people just, this is a nation of hacks. It's not funny anymore. It's, it's, it's stupid and it's, it's mean spirited. And it was maybe funny for 15 minutes and, and Brooks kind of played into it and it spiraled out of control. Okay. Brooks completely played into it and encouraged it. And it's completely spiraled out of control at this point, almost to the point where, you know, without the tour saying something, what is somebody going to yell to him at the Ryder cup when, when he's playing on home soil for his country, somebody could potentially yell that to him when he's trying to win a match for his country. So I I'm over it. It needs to, it needs to stop. It's too much. I'm glad the tour said something. 
Yeah, to totally agree. It, uh, Jay Jay stepped up when he needed to step up. They got it got to a point where he had to he had to make comments. I want to pivot for one moment because did you guys see James Hans yes. post yesterday? Hilarious. Unbelievable comedic twist to it all. So James Hans says on Twitter, he says, "It's official. Calling Bryson anything but his real name will get you thrown out of a golf tournament. So if any of you call me Kevin Na, Danny Lee, or Sangmoon Bay, we're going to have some problems." <laughs> that is so good. Yeah, and 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 it is that is funny, and yet I don't want that to be misinterpreted. To me, the whole it comes down to intent. When Bryson loses the playoff and he's walking up the hill, and this fan yells up, "Nice going, Brooksy," there was only one intent there. Hundred percent. That was that was that was to be an a hole, and, and the guy's was, hammered out of his mind. Thinks yeah, he's and a of tough course, guy. right, and and he knows that Bryson can't do anything about yep. it, and um, so to me. Um, that's it's about intent and now how do you measure that and how if you're a, a security guy at a tour event how do you measure intent i get all that sort of pandora's box but clearly when people are yelling brooksy it's not because they don't know who he is right it's because they are intending to try and ruffle feathers and create uh bad things or negative atmosphere or whatever however you want to you know and, and with that in mind where's brooks and all this how can he be okay with what's going on. I mean, this is, again, I sound like the old man get off my lawn, but this is not what golf's all about. He's, he was, a, had played a large role in creating this. I think he, it would go a long way if he stood up and said, you know what? It's gone too far. Um, this isn't what I intended. We're now having a negative effect on not only Bryson's play, but anyone who plays with Bryson. I just think that, that Brooks needs to be the bigger man at this point, well, uh, say enough's uh, enough. Of course, you're spot on. It would all go away if he offered to play a practice round with Bryson this week down before the tour championship and said to him, let's have a little joint press conference and say, look, we've got our issues and, and they're still going to be there. But the, the, the on-course stuff needs to stop. You know, we're trying to go out here and win golf tournaments. And in three weeks, we're going to go try to win the Ryder Cup. Um, so it needs it needs to end. Everybody needs to get over it and and stop it. I that would end it completely, but of but course we know why that won't happen, right? I mean, because Brooks, he's Brooks. Brooks is a steakhead. He's a meathead. That's the unfortunate. Of course, reality he's a bully picking on a picking on somebody he used to be weaker. I mean, that's that's what he is. He's a bully. Spot on. You're everything you just said is correct. I still like to think somebody can get to him and say this isn't. You know, he always he and I always sort of thought his comments of grow the game was semi tongue in cheek. You know, I think he used growing the game as an, ex as an excuse for being able to, to date, do and say some of the things he did. This is not growing the game. This is bad for golf. You know, one of the beauties of this game is as we've already acknowledged, it is a, uh, a gentleman's game. It is a game of sportsmanship. We don't have referees. We call our own penalties. Um, it's just unique. And that's part of the, the beauty of the game. I mean, I want, I want to win or lose with my clubs, um, not with somebody else interfering and causing uh, uh, some negative actions, comments, whatever atmosphere, and and have an effect on the result. And so, gosh, I wish somebody would get to him and say, and there couldn't be a better time than today. Yeah. I mean, honestly, today would be after what PJ Tour came out. Today would be a great time for him in this press conference. Say enough's enough, and and you know, how about saying. I'll play with Bryson if Captain Stricker wants me to, you know, or something. I don't know, but, but there needs to be an olive branch somewhere, somehow. 
Yep. Well, you saw what he said about Strick. He said Strick asked us to put this aside, obviously, for the Ryder Cup. And I, I want to loop back in this social media bonus, too, though, because, you know, Bryson's obviously, uh, pardon me, Brooks is playing Portnoy next week on the 7th at Liberty National. I mean, Brooks is doing all of this, in my opinion, to grow, you know, his piece of that $40 million pie, my, my opinion. Yeah. And by the way, do you want one of your key players in the Ryder Cup to be working hard on his game left-handed for a week or two before the Ryder? I mean, I absolutely I don't get it. not. It's I don't so, get it. it all rolls into Brooks being a meathead. Yeah. Well, so yeah. it's, it's, uh, it, it's about attention dollars. It's not about, it's about building the brand and social media followers. And it's not about the actual what's, what's going on in the golf course. I mean, I, I had the thought that Brooks almost strikes me as the kind of guy that, you know, if he had, if it had been the two of them in the playoff and he had won, so he had, he had gotten the best of Bryson, then he would have come out and said it. Well, Bryson's having a, a, a better year. Um, Bryson's in contention here at, at the uh, event before the tour championship and Brooks is nowhere to be found. And there's sort of that, well, you know, I'm going to egg people on because I'm not having as good of a year as him. Um, you know, that he kind of strikes me as that guy that if he would be more gracious, if he were winning these golf tournaments or beating Bryson head to head, but because he's not, and not even in contention, he's just going to try to, you know, stir the pot and, and get people riled up about this. It's, it's unfortunate. So, uh, agree with everything you guys are saying. I, on, on a side note, you know, being the golf geek that I am, I was watching the, uh, the Payne Stewart award in, last night. In fairness, you're a regular geek, not just a golf geek. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> go ahead, TK. I mean, I, you know, let, let, I say, let the horse run. He's I think TK is the only one who hasn't gotten it now amongst the three of us. So we'll, we'll get him here at some point. <laughs> so I'm watching, I'm watching the Payne Stewart award and Justin Rose won, And it was a really cool night, at least for, for someone who, who loves this kind of stuff. And they were talking about, you know, um, what the Payne Stewart awards all about and then why Justin and, and ironically in the crowd is Bryson. But I tell you that because, um, you know, one of the things they kept talking about, not only Payne Stewart, but also with Justin is how, um, how great he is with everyone and how he's always willing and able to sit down and talk to people and how through thick or thin, he was always uh, positive and cheerful and willing to sit down with any of the media. And, and it was just interesting as they were going on and on about this. And I'm thinking there's Bryson in the crowd who for now weeks, if not months, has refused to do interviews. Mm -hmm. He's adding to the problem. He isn't good at it. Uh, I think he's a little tone deaf about it. I mean, when you are a rocket mortgage sponsored athlete and you don't even do interviews at the rocket mortgage tournament, or you, um, you know, play in this unbelievably incredible, great playoff and you get the coldest handshake with Patrick Cantlay and then stomp off like a little baby you know, as much as I think Brooks is part of the problem, Bryce is absolutely part of the problem. Yeah. And if he if he could have given Patrick Cantlay a hug and then gone on to say, wow, that was great. I'm certainly disappointed. I had my chances. I kind of blew it. But boy, that was a great event. I was happy to be part of it. And I'm going to come back bigger, better and stronger after this. And it would go so far. Instead, he's the petulant child who goes stomping yep. off, uh, you know, and, and can't. I don't see that changing either. I mean, that's a DNA thing that doesn't change regardless of the advice he gets from agents and, you know, his team that's around him. I, I just don't see that change. I'm not, I'm not sure think he I agree grow. with you. I, I think, I think he could grow there. I think if, if there was somebody that was willing 
to mentor him a little bit. I mean, all of us it's know maturity. He's still the, 20, the hardest thing. Is. The hardest thing in the world is to graciously shake somebody's hand in a match like that, where, you know, it, it doesn't appear there's any love lost between the two of them, but to, to show the millions of people watching that, you know, Hey, that, that was great. Really enjoyed it. Couldn't be happier for Patrick, who again, by the way, is going to be a teammate of mine in three weeks. And there is something telling there that I think all of us have had to do that where you got to swallow hard and put on a smile and take your hat off and tell somebody you're really happy for him. Even though deep down in the recesses of your heart, you might not be, you still got to give out that perception that, you know what, that, that was really great. I, I was happy to be out here with you providing the, the entertainment for all these people. And he couldn't do, it was, it was one of the most uncomfortable post round handshakes I've ever seen. I mean, you almost never see that anymore, even with guys that, and I can't really off the top of my head, think of any, any two guys out there that don't necessarily like each other that have had been in this situation, but Tiger man, and it was, yeah. I mean, it was, I I don't say come to mind, but it it, it was incredibly uncomfortable. And I, I agree with you, Scott, that's a maturity thing. And, but it's almost like, who's going to mentor him. It's, it's, he doesn't want help to, in my mind, he doesn't, he doesn't think there's anything wrong with that. I back to how we got on that, which is again, I I was sitting there thinking, watching last night's Payne Stewart word that Bryson has got to leave that, um, that evening saying, I need to change. I mean, I I don't know how you can sit there and listen to all the things they were talking about, about Payne Stewart and Justin Rose and all things they were without Bryson walking out of this saying, I need to be better. I need to do better. Um, Now, again, I think TK is right. I think it's possible that he can't, but I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass because he is 27 and and uh, you know what? I probably wasn't the best loser at 27. I'm probably not a great loser now for that matter. But Thank you. Hey, Thank, but, you. Thank you. But, Look, I, but, I, I think we've all acknowledged that Tiger has changed. Tiger was, you know, singularly focused on one thing for the majority of his career. And when life started to happen and the injuries started to happen, and we, we've heard it from the other players, how he's changed. So I think that there is a chance for, for Bryson to do the same thing that, you know, potentially when he gets married and has a family, or if he does have a big challenge in his career where he faces an injury that he has to fight back from, um, you know, I'm guessing there'll be other players on tour who reach out to him when some of those things happen and want to become more friendly with him on a personal level rather than professional. Then I think that the opportunity exists for him to change, because if he doesn't, I mean, he's going to be very successful throughout his career, but I mean, is it all going to be worth it at the end of the day when you look back and you go into the World Golf Hall of Fame and nobody's there because nobody liked you? <laughs> True. Well put. Down the road a little bit. I was thinking this as you guys were saying that. I got a comedic thought here. I said, wow, I've given a lot of handshake losses, handshakes after losses in my day. <laughs> Tip the cap. I'm not doing too many handshakes after match wins, Scotty, like you are. <laughs> Maybe you could give a little presentation before the TK starts. I here's, think how, I here's how it's done. All right, guys, it's what you do. You go to the bar, you buy people around a beer. Everyone likes you. It's, it's all good. All right, so uh, let's let's push push past Brooks and uh, and Bryson and get into the Tour Championship um, a little bit. Just a couple of thoughts to throw out there. 
do you guys like the new format? You know, where we have Cantlay starting at 10 under, Finals at eight, Bryson's at seven, um, rather than the way they used to do it, where it was just kind of a clean slate. Does it does it still have your interest? I mean, I know they we've moved the schedule around significantly, but you still got the tour championship going up against the first weekend, full first full weekend of of college football. And I know I'm a little bit of a different animal, so that'll have more of my attention, but just, just Scotty, let's start with you. Some thoughts on the tour championship as we head into it. Oh gosh. You know, I, I still feel like that's this manufactured made for TV forced playoff event that doesn't have anywhere near the cachet that any one of the other big, there are, there were five big events that I've looked forward to this year and maybe six with a player's championship, but the four majors and the Ryder cup, you know what? I, I, I get that they needed and wanted some sort of season ending playoff. Uh, I, I get that, that, that there's some interest in it, um, but it's, it's manufactured and, and, you know, how can you feel great about the final event being a net event? I mean, that's really what it is. It's kind of a net event, right? I mean, who's going to win if they're, so, okay, 30 guys are in it, but you can eliminate a lot of people. I mean, how many people have half of them at 10 shots behind? I don't really know off the top. I mean, of you my get head. down to tied 16th, which yeah, is so where half the field. they're eight back to start. They're you two know, watch, under. Right. So, so watch it happen this week. But I mean, none of those guys are going to win. I mean, I, I don't well, know. Xander, I, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, Xander plays so well down at that course. And, yeah. uh, and he's he's right in that mix that far back. You know, last year he shot the low tourney score, obviously did not win the tour championship because of the, the start um, kind of frame. But I don't even know if the tour loves it, how they've changed it to, but I know that they thought they had to change it. So it's probably in this evolution of getting going to get tweaked again. Um, I, I don't think they love the staggered uh, start. I don't think they loved how it was beforehand. I think they're trying to figure out how to, encapsulate the entire year to keep people's you know attention so they they place them where they you know over the course of the year it's surely not the right solution but at least they're trying things that would be that would be my early perspective on it how many years has it been with the staggered start second or third year yeah you know what i don't know actually i would have said second but it might actually be third probably yeah. got, the best thing i, I can got... say about it is that that the season used to end with a whimper right and then, and so, so I do think there's something about the fact that we have a clear end of the season yeah, for a week or two before the next year's week season starts. But anyway, my point is there's a clear end of the season. There's a clear winner at the end and all those kinds of things, but uh, you know, it, it doesn't. It's convoluted. Do it's I I'm, I'm sort of with you. If, if there's anything nice about it, you know, you have starting last week, no cut events and you know, the best players are going to be there. So at least when you tune in, if you watch this weekend, you know, the, all the good players, the best players in the world are going to be there. But I just, boy, the, the, the tours advertising is, is almost cringeworthy when they're talking about, you know, it's the, the, the greatest prize in golf. I mean, are you kidding me? Come on. Nobody who is a, a real golf fan for a second, finds this to be appointment viewing as opposed to any other major championship or the Ryder cup. It's, it's just not even close. Um, so it's tough. I mean, it'll, it'll be hard for it to, to take my attention. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll click over here and there just to see who's doing well, but it's TK. I think you're right. They they're trying to find what works best. I don't know if they're ever going to find anything that actually allows more players to have a chance to, to win the final event, but it, 
you know, from, from my seat, at least they're trying something. I, I think it, there's, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where it shakes out. You know, I, let's talk a little bit about the field. I was, I was listening to some talk radio this week and you think about the guys who finished, you know, cause if you, if you uh, are in 30th place, regardless of playing, so Patrick Green, not sure if he's going to play or not unlikely. So he's coming home with $390,000. I actually just read he is playing. Oh, so he is going to play. All right. So read that if you come in, if, if you come in 30th this week, 390 K not too bad, but the, the more of the talk was about the guys who finished like 31st and 32nd. That's a lot of cash. And Charlie Hoffman, I don't know if you saw a triple bogeyed his last hole to mm. fall out of the top 30 by mm. like one or two. And they just started walking back going, oh, remember the guy who made bogey on the 18th hole at the Northern Trust? And it's, I mean, it's a lot of money on the line for these top 30 coming well, in. Well, it's it's more than, to me, I, I agree. I mean, that's a lot of money for that one week. Um, but they, they all make a lot of money, right? So for me, that being out of the top 30 is more than not making the tour championship is if you're in the top there, you get the British open, you get the U S open, you get the masters, you get the tournament champions, you get the Scottish open. Now you, so maybe even the players might be on that as well. Oh, I'm sure. So, so, so to me, that's as big, if not a bigger part of being in that top 30, um, than that one week's check would be. Yeah. I I was going to say this for later in the show. Um, I heard this on another show this week. Do you guys know this year, how many players on tour made over a million dollars in prize money? I don't, but I can, I'm going to, I'm going to, this will be my guess. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing do, do all 125 make a million. So your, your guess is 125. We'll, we'll go with that. TK. Fine. 83. Bob Barker would have invited you on stage, Scott. 124 players won. There you go. At least a million dollars. And I would have lost because I would have been over, right? Because Bob That's Barker. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was thinking that all 125 now yeah. make a million dollars, which is That's unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's just crazy the money that's out there right now. Um, so if you're I mean, 126, you don't keep your card, but you essentially won a million dollars. Yep. That's it's that's pretty wild. amazing. Yeah. Whereas I, on the I, corn ferry, you can finish in the, you know, you can finish in the 40th on the money list and not make enough money to actually make ends meet. I know. I know. It, you know, it would be. I I do think it would be interesting to know for that 124th guy what his expenses for the year were. And, you know, how that shakes out and, and I mean, obviously corporate sponsorships play into this as well, but it's great to make a million, but I would have no idea even how to wrap my head around what a, a number for the 124th player on the money list, what that player spends over the course of the year. I, I wouldn't even know how to quantify that, but that would be interesting to, you know, that gross prize money is great, but what's your net when it's all said and done, because it's probably not a, as glamorous a life as people think it is winning a million dollars in prize money. You've, you've made a great living, but you're spending a lot of money in order to do it. Yeah. I, I, I think they're doing pretty well still. I, I, I can, I can think back to, um, I are uh, actually sponsored Jeff Julian. Now this would have been 25 years ago. So the numbers are totally different, right? But it was something like four grand a week you know, on average, um, again, 25 years ago, and that doesn't count, you know, the check that you have to pay. So if you, 
if you earn a hundred grand for finishing whatever it is these days, you now pay what is that seven and a half percent to your caddy? So that doesn't count those dollars. Yeah. Um, but I think it's somewhere in that five grand number. I'm guessing a week uh, on average um, for them just to to cover expenses as a ballpark guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, 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 I'm sure they're all doing pretty well, but, um, but to your point, it's not not what you would necessarily think off the top. Of yeah, it's not somebody. I mean, everybody's got expenses, right? You got a mortgage to pay, and you got kids to send to school and feed, and all that kind of stuff. And and it's it's it would be interesting to know, kind of on average, what what they're actually netting out. In, yeah, and to your kind to of your question, Matty, actually. Right. So my five grand number was not counting the mortgage and that wasn't counting the cost for feeding your family at home and car expenses for normal living. That was just the expense for the week of travel. Yeah. Right? That week of the event. So it's a lot well, more than just that. And, th- and those are the variables that come into play because all those players that are kind of in that number, I mean, you got some veterans that obviously slide down there, right? So they're living drastically different than the the young 20 something who doesn't have the family at home, who lives a little bit different when he's on the road. I mean, you hear all those different stories between the rental houses and the hotels and how people are living and how they're getting place to place. And, you know, Kevin Kisner told a cool story um, after he won um, the Wyndham and, you know, he obviously had some media obligations. So he stayed at the course and a bunch of guys needed to get home. So he's like, all right, take the jet, you know, guys who don't have their own. He's like, take my jet, go, I'll get on another one. I mean, that's just, they, they live at some diff- such different levels, you know? Right, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, those all the guys playing this week, I mean, you're talking about generational wealth, basically. I mean, they, they're not worried about the mortgage payment and some of those other ancillary expenses where those guys down there on the fringe, again, even though you're making a million dollars and you've got some sponsorship money coming in too, you know, you've probably still got a somewhat of a budget that you've got to adhere to, Um you know, because and it's also hard to plan out because you're not some weeks you're not making any money. Absolutely. And the net, you don't even know if you're going to make any the next year, you know, for those folks who don't have their card solidified for a multi-year, right. you know, so I think we got to talk a little Ryder Cup, obviously. I was just going to say, should we dive into some Ryder Cup stuff? Quickly, who's going to win the tour championship? Uh, I will Tony, take... Tony Finau. He's going to win his second tournament in the last three weeks in his third of his career. I'll take Rom just to, just to just to do something me. different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the oh. way, he yeah. should be a cautionary tale for Bryson. Somebody who I think was incredibly unlikable three, four years ago, who I don't nearly have the vitriol that I used to have for him. I think he's grown up quite a bit. To the contrary, he's handled adversity better than anyone could have asked for, hoped for, or thought could be possible. Exactly. I, yep. I mean, I thought, so that's a great point. Yeah. All right. I'll go. Um, I'm going Xander. Wow. Long shot. Wow. Very extremely plus long. He plus is 20. Deep. What's that? It's way deep. Plus 2,500 to win. I'm taking it. I like the mine. You take Rob at 330. Make nothing. So nobody took the guy who absolutely putted the lights out of it last weekend. Um, and, you know, this is me as a jaded American Ryder Cup fan. 
all I'm thinking is he's not going to make anything at whistling straights. That's, that was the only, I swear to God, it was the only thing in the back of my mind is this is great, but in three weeks he, he won't make anything. Um, but obviously he will be there. Um, hold on. Let me pull up the rest of the, uh, the rest of the team. He's, he's a lock. You got Morikawa, DJ Bryson, Brooks, JT, Finau, Xander Spieth, I mean, after you get through those guys, I think it's. So we got nine definites, don't we? I mean, yeah, six you got, made it, and yeah, then you three, got the three. Exactly. Yeah, I think I, I think I named nine there. So yeah. you know, you got your, your Schefflers. I know Webb Simpson's been thrown in there. Um, Daniel Berger. Berger. Sam Burns is, seems to be a Sam popular Burns. name right now. Harris English. Um, he's one of the nine, right? Did we consider Harris one of the nine? I don't. Uh, think he I was not the nine, there. but he's yes, that's valid. I mean, talk to TK, I'll, I'll throw it to you. What are you, what are your thoughts on how the team's shape, shaping up right now? And any thoughts on, I guess, what you think Stricker should do or what you would do if you were Stricker and what you think he'll actually do in terms of the captain's picks. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I think he's going to do. I, I, I do know. I wish he, I, I hope he shakes it up versus what we've done. I think the pattern that we've been in, you know, since, um, I think it was 2014, obviously, when the, the council got put together after the Phil Watson, you know, spat. The task and then also, force. What's that? The task force. Task force. Yes, right. I mean, so. what a, what a I mean, it's, really, a, it's ridiculous. For a, for a team golf tournament, you need <laughs> a task force. The, the problem is it's a good old boys network task force, right? Yeah. So they're just handing down the captaincy to their friends and then, the, you know, the former captains are the vice captains and you end up with the same team generally every year. We need to break that if we want to win the Ryder Cup. And if we don't, then just be the good old boys network and keep getting your ass kicked. But if we want to do something different, we've got to totally break it up. And that's really it's not breaking up the, the nine people we talked about. And then Harris would be the 10th. I think he's pretty much a lock. So you're talking about 10 guys. Those next two spots, we have to shake it up. Reed, obviously, in that conversation because of how he plays at the Ryder Cup, but what's his health look like? This week probably determines a lot of that. Um, I don't know Steve's, you know, personal thoughts on what he thinks of Patrick, and and everyone says Patrick hates everybody, never everybody hates Patrick, but if he wins points, who cares? And then and then I think you're talking about the other pick, and I would love to shake it up with that pick. You just mentioned Sam Burns. I love that. Um, I like the Scotty Scheffler talk. Um, so, you know, Webb's the Webb's the traditional pick. I don't Coke like rack. it as much right now. What's that? Kokrak? Kokrak yeah, is a name I've seen thrown out he'd there. He'd be shaking it up. Obviously, his length at Whistling would play really well. You know, Horschel and Kisner have been in that mix. Kiz obviously won, but then he's played awful the last two weeks, so I think he's probably out now. And that's um, not the right course for Kiz. No, totally it's not. Agree. No, it's not. Um, lengthwise for sure the reason he was even in the dialogue is because he can put the lights out of the ball right so that's why he's in the conversation and he's tremendous in the team room and and, and depending how you value that i think it's scheffler or burns that's who i would love to see it as the 12th pick there so yeah i guess i'm confused what the nine and ten and but 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 i'm with you on scheffler I think that the thing to me that stands out and one of the main reasons we've lost, there are two reasons, and maybe they're totally correlated to each other, chicken and egg, right, is chemistry and putting. And maybe team chemistry totally correlates to putting. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know that. But 
But really, it seems like when we lose, these Europeans get on the roll and make everything in sight, and we miss we miss the the key putts. And so for me, uh, while understanding the length of the course, putting's huge. I think Scotty Sheffer is long and is a good putter, and I think I I would love to see Daniel Berger on this team. I think he's a gritty, tough competitor who gets it going and can putt really well. And I think, it, and and to to TK's point, it's a little out of the box, right? It's not the it's not the good old boy cook, cookie cutter edition. So I oh, think look, Daniel- I think it's let's give some. Okay, Reed has been great, undeniable. I don't like him, but he's been he's been a fierce competitor. But I think the traits you listed for Berger are spot on, Scott. And why don't we get some new blood in there? Because we do have these issues with chemistry. And maybe somebody like a a Daniel Berger can bring a little spark to some of these guys who, you know, are in a room and there's a, a, a visceral hatred in some cases, at least between two of the guys that that we need somebody in there that can can break the ice and go out there and win some points early and as a good partner and a good teammate and kind of gets everybody off of that stuff. Because I mean, how long is it going to take? We get through the morning matches on, on Friday. And if, if the U S is down, all we're going to hear about is chemistry. That's the first thing we're going to hear about. Right. Well, and we already have Brooks and Bryson issues. Adding Reed to that only adds to not only the talk, but the chemistry issues. And, you know, back to Daniel Berger, he's a notoriously well-known money player um, on the tour, Uh, you know, on those Tuesday matches, Berger's the money guy who wins and is a great competitor and a great match play guy. I think, I think that's the kind of attitude. He's sort of, he's sort of a younger version of kids who hits a little bit farther in my mind that he's, that's the type of personality and the type of game that I think that we've been missing. I think Scheffler has a similar one. Right. So Scotty getting back to, so you obviously have the six locks. Yes. And so we, you know, obviously that's more Kyler Johnson, DeChambeau, Kepka, Thomas, Cantlay. Yes. And then when I was saying up to 10, which I, I think, so we have to decide this, you know, Finau, Shoffley, Spieth, English. Is English so, a lock? I think so. All right. So there's your 10. So that's why okay. we're talking about the two, the next two. I just had forgotten with Cantlay's win that bumped Finau out, I think. Yeah, or, yeah I, correct. Shoffley's correct. a no-brainer. Jordan Spieth to me is a no-brainer. Yeah. I think Harris English with two wins and how he's played, I think he's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to argue with the burger Scheffler you know, Tucson at the bottom of that roster. So let's talk about Patrick Reed for a second then. I mean, you take a step back and based on history, you know, Captain America, which by the way, I hated that nickname, but anyway, Captain America, which anyway, we don't need to go there. He's had incredible success. And so you could make a strong argument that Patrick Reed is exactly the right guy for the team. And yet under the circumstances, I would not pick him. I wouldn't either. I mean, uh... You, you force Spieth to do it again with him when I don't think Spieth really enjoys playing with him. At least to me, it does. It looks like he's kind of grinning and burying it, I, but you already have an issue with two guys who are going to refuse to play with each other, or you would think would refuse to play with each other. I, I agree with you that bringing somebody in who has that reputation and who is going to elicit eye rolls and heavy sighs from some of the other guys is not what you need. You need, you need some new blood in there. And I understand there is already going to be some new blood on the team, but I don't, I would not be in favor of it. Um, I mean, I don't think you can discount the health issue. It, it seems like it's a, a, a pretty serious, what well, he had pneumonia, correct? Is that right? Well, that the- what's interesting is he had a bad ankle, which was what, how he originally withdrew. And then all of a sudden this pneumonia, which code for COVID to me, but whatever, yeah. I don't really know. 
but um, he hasn't played for a few weeks, which exactly. for Patrick Reed is a lifetime because yeah. he plays every week. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. I think that in order to win and get past the chemistry issues, I think we need, we need new blood in that room and we need some new perspective and, and uh, otherwise it's just going to be, it's going to be the same old narrative. And let me tell you one thing, obviously I think, you know, I hope Steve adds Phil as a vice captain. If he is even part of the dialogue to add on, on this 12 man roster, then we have completely lost our minds. Agreed. Oh, totally. I mean, we can, we can, we can, um, we can applaud his victory. Uh, at, I mean, a stunning victory in a major that was shocking out of the blue, never expected, but one week does not a Ryder cup team make. And, no. And he has not even come close to suggesting or showing or proving that he should be part of the team. Well, I think that that's, um, the one thing that might be wrong there is I think he, you know, he does kind of make those, you know, right-hand, left-hand comments that he should be on the team sometimes, you know, and that's so Phil, right? That's such a Phil thing. Um, and I just hope we don't get lost in that. I hope Steve and the good old boy network doesn't get lost in that. Has anyone been on more losing teams than Phil Mickelson? God, has anyone lost more matches than him? I don't even know. Right, right. So his record yeah. stinks. Right. Yeah, totally agree. Um, any any off-the-cuff European team thoughts? I mean, the names I had down, Rom Fleetwood, McElroy Hatton, Weisberger, Fitzpatrick, Casey, Perez. Um, and then I think you start to get into some of their captain's picks. Well, um, they're two captain's picks, Poulter and Sergio are no brainers. So they really have one pick that they got to sort of jump. Ho- Hovland, I should have thrown in there. He'll be on the team for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I know Shane Lowry has been kind of thrown out there as well. I mean, it's just, you know, another solid team. A lot of these guys, we get to see maybe a lot more than we used to with a lot of these guys moonlighting on the PGA tour. And some of them obviously flat out playing full time on the PGA tour, but um, you know, some of them are a little less known than, than others, but you know, you just got to think it's going to be, it's going to be another battle. I don't think these, the the European team is not obviously going to roll over regardless of the atmosphere or the setup of the golf course. They're, they're going to come to play like they always do. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, I thought Westwood was an automatic qualifier, but I'm looking at the European standings right now, and he's not there. So, um, On either list? I don't have the list in front of me. So yeah, I just pulled best. up the list, and I'm not sure it's the most accurate. I would assume it is because the European Ryder Cup, you know. So I think Victor Perez isn't in, even though he's, no, he's, he's a medalist guy. He's not in, and so I don't think he'll be on it. I think he's he's he played well at the match play, but I don't think he's had a great year really since then. I I, I read yesterday that he's kind of – on the bubble right now as well. I think Robert is it Robert McIntyre. Yeah. The, uh, the yep. Scott, I think he's got a chance to make the team as well. How so. many automatics do they, do they, does Europe go with? They have four from the total of eight. They have okay. four from the, from the world ranking yeah. and four from the European tour, I think. If, right. Right. Okay. So there's eight. Right. And then you're going to take Poulter and Garcia as no brainers. Oh, that's why Westwood's the Westwood's top four on the world points. That's where he, right. that's where he comes into that. Okay. Um, you know, once again, the old on paper thing has us favored and that scares the every heck year. out of me because every year, because you know what, any match Rom's playing in, we're an underdog, Yep. you know? And so you go through the list before you know it. I mean, it's going to be tough sledding and, and we chose a course that is not in our, in our favor. Um, you know, a long course that's going to be windy and I wouldn't call it links like, but it certainly has a little bit of that. I mean, I think 
I think it's going to be a tall order. You know, it's funny. I was just looking, you know, because Fleetwood and Molinari went 5-0. and Yes. When it was over in France. And yes. I'm looking right now. I mean, Molinari is not even in the mix okay. anywhere. Nowhere near. Um, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, but I mean, do you, Fleetwood hasn't been playing well, but. But do but, you want a piece of him and uh, Matt Fitzpatrick and. No. In an alternate shot I mean, or him and Terrell Hatton. I mean, it, those guys just seem to, it doesn't matter what kind of form they're in going into that. They, they thrive on that atmosphere. They thrive on the format. And it's always amazing to me that their team chemistry is better when they're from eight different countries. You know, it's like, I, I, mean, totally I make up to number eight, but it's just, uh, I don't know exactly how many, but the reality is it's just seems odd that they always have better chemistry and it's hard not to, argue that they're going to have better chemistry this year based well, on it's, especially when you have guys that are playing a, a full schedule on the european tour versus the guys on the european team who live and in essence work in the united states so they almost never see each other and, except for every two years when they're playing in the Ryder cup together i mean rory plays more with jt and jordan spieth than he does with any european absolutely um, absolutely um by the way how's your boy he's he's starting to play a little bit better a little bit better. I mean, his game has not been sharp. And we're talking about my boy. That's exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, he, he remains an enigma. I mean, he's, I, he says, I'm sick of playing golf. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired. tired of playing a golf. And then he shoots 64 <laughs> in the first round. Um, but uh, by the same token, I, as we always talk about, you can appreciate the candor and the honesty in that, he went over and played in the Olympics and has had a very heavy schedule and has a baby that just turned one. And I think like any of us, you know, kind of wants to be at home for a few weeks or, or months. And I, I understand he's going to get to have that opportunity after the Ryder cup, he'll take a significant amount of time off, but um, you know, he's just, it's, it's just so funny how with him, even still, you know, he shoots 64, he's playing better. You, you, you see it sarcastically on Twitter, but you know, in the back of everyone's mind, it's the, well, he's the favorite to win at Augusta now. And I, and, and I know it's a sarcastic comment, but we all still think it right. That one of these years, he's going to show up and shoot 66, 67, 68, 67 at Augusta and win by a million. But, you know, here we are the second weekend in April, wondering when that's ever, ever actually going to happen with him. So it's, you know, I, I will say it's a roller coaster of emotion for me is what it really is. <laughs> you know, if you read between the lines on his comments last week, because he is a, a trusted voice for, uh, you know, PGA tour executive circles. And when he said, he, you know, he was very pointed in his comments about the year round schedule. And as you said, that doesn't affect him. He doesn't really play in a lot of the season starting events, but he was making a point there. Everybody's tired. I'm tired. He's obviously got some variables at home, but that was a very direct point he was making in the public circles to, to the tour. I agree. I agree. So and it's been he, a long, it's been relentless. It has been. And, you know, you, you throw in all the, all the stuff they have to do from COVID for COVID. I don't think that helps. Um, but kind of, kind of throwing this out there. I know we're closing in on an hour here, but um, did you guys have any interest in the Olympics, watch the Olympic golf, any thoughts on, Xander winning the gold medal. Um, obviously, Nelly Korda winning the gold medal for the U.S. was great as well. But 
Um, you know, I, I it sort of captured my attention. Obviously, the time change was really hard to make it. Well, that's exactly to watch it. anything, but I mean, um, that's it. When the Olympics are on, you're in that total wacky time zone thing. It's tough to get connected to them. I, I followed it more on social and yeah. I love the Xander and Nelly thing. I did see a little bit. Um, and she is just fantastic, right? I mean, she just brings the way she finished that event, right? After having a little bit of hiccup was incredible. She's awesome. I, you know, you're, you'd beat me to it. I had a note here to talk about Nelly quarter and we should touch on the Solheim cup before yep. we sign off here. But anyway, to, to your point on Nelly, uh, she may have the best golf swing in all of golf and she may be having the best year of any golfer in the world. And, and, and the sky is the limit for, right. I mean, I actually truly love watching her play golf. I think Nelly is awesome and only going to get better. And I think it's great for golf. I think it's great for American golf. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, and I think, uh, it, she's a joy to watch play. I totally agree. Okay. I'm stealing this. I'm stealing this from my dad. Why do they have playoffs for the, for the, for the other medals? I mean, if two swimmers tie, they both get a, a bronze medal. If two swimmers tie for third place and have the exact same time, they both get a medal. Why did we need to have a seven way or eight way playoff for the bronze medal or whatever? I, I thought playoff. it was awesome. Now that you throw, I mean, it's, it's a hell well, of a question. You know based what? On that. Your dad is right. Why is there a playoff? Yeah. TK is right. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> you know I mean? I, I actually enjoyed it. I mean, the fact that they are grinding their tails off for a, for a third place is kind of cool. Kind of unique. I, I mean, and fun. look, I, I say that sort but, of, I guess, yeah. cynically because it's what we do, you know, when you, when you run a golf tournament for the most part, I mean, it's in essence, they were playing for three qualifying spots. Let's call them that. Right. right. And you would always, you would always play off of those spots. It's what we do in at a state am qualifier, but it does seem, it does seem a little interesting that in the other sports, when there's a, when they're completely tied in a track meet, they're both going to get to stand up there on the podium, but for golf, we made sure to play off. So we only had three. Well, you funny you mentioned that, right. I just think it's to me, with what we do with all of our friends when we're playing our casual rounds and you're out there and you're kind of in maybe a little bit more than a foursome sometimes and you get that camaraderie of the group when you're playing a couple holes it's just such a great feeling when i watched that in olympics and then when i watched it at the window when six of them were playing off i mean i just love that feeling i love that uh that kind of energy at the end of the event like that yeah i don't disagree um i it's it that's a give your dad kudos that's a great question i'm not sure um i i personally would like i leave it as it is i like the idea that there's a playoff i like the idea that people are actually grinding their tails off for a third place um, well i think like i said i think it's it's the nature of golf and that that's what we do as a game when when you're in situations like that that you you know if you're you're in essence paying off those spots. You wouldn't want to have eight people standing up there getting a bronze medal. I think that's, that's going to cheapen it a little bit. So I, I think it's fine. It's just kind of funny that there's no consistency and it kept Roy from getting a medal, which is really my ulterior motive in bringing it up. We, we knew Rory had had to come around here at some point, but, but I love his <laughs> quote, you know, I've never tried so hard for third place. Yeah. Um, so Scott, you mentioned it real quick. Um, Solheim cup starts this weekend. Yeah. This I think weekend. it's actually unique. It's, um, it ends on, I got it wrong. Is it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or is it 
it doesn't end on Sunday. So I forget exactly because of Labor Day yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You got okay. foursome, foursome four ball Saturday, foursome four ball Sunday, and then the 12 singles on Monday. Right. I, I don't know about you guys. I enjoy it. Uh, I probably won't watch as much uh, as I would Ryder Cup, but but team match play stuff, love it. Um, uh, you know, we've sort of dominated this in years past, but but more recently, Europeans have made um, made a lot of headway, and I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be an even match to be honest with you, but I mean, the, the U S team is certainly loaded on paper. I'm looking right now. The average world rank for the U S team is 26.2, 44.1 for the European team. So another strong favorite, though, right? exactly. Another strong favorite on paper for, for team USA. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I honestly, I love these team events, regardless of gender. I'll be watching the Solon cup this weekend. I think it's fantastic. Especially in the, in the course. I mean, the course is a is is awesome, and, and especially what they've done with it, and they transitioned that course over the last uh, couple of decades. Right. So it's an old Donald Ross. It's Inverness in Toledo, uh, where I actually our friend Olin Brown won his U.S. Senior Championship. Oh, very uh, awesome. nice. But but uh, um, but it's a great golf course and a great event. And and uh, to your point, I mean, again, back to the golf geek. I watched the, some of the Curtis Cup last weekend. I don't know if you mm -hmm. guys watched any of I that, did. but. Yeah. It was, it was great. Right. It was great. Listen, I By love the way, any, they, those ahead, European so. events are fantastic. Just from a timing perspective. I right. love those when you wake right. up in the morning, that is like right. the perfect thing. It's, it's totally. like a perfect time stop. <laughs> um, I was, I was pretty into the, uh, the USM at Oakmont. I know Scott, you're a, a big Oakmont fan, but that's an event where I may have plowed through in the past, but I just feel like anytime something's at Oakmont, I gotta, I gotta sit and watch it. Cause that place just is, is it looks like it's special. Well, it's spectacular. And the thing that jumps out to me um, and, and again, maybe digress slightly, but, but the modern game, the modern game make they change. I mean, they played, I think five or six of the holes the way that I don't like how they allowed them to play it. Not yeah. that they allowed them, but, but, you know, they played, they played one by driving it down 10. They played 10 by driving it down 11. They played 11 by driving it up 10. You know, I'll be curious to see what happens um, once the, the U.S. Open comes around in a couple of years to Oakmont, because I cannot see the USJ allowing, you know, Dustin Johnson to hit down the 11th fairway from the 10th tee. Especially now when there's 50,000 people out there, right. they're going to get killed. right. And, and foursomes or not foursomes and groups coming up every yep. other hole. Now they could get away with it without stands, without the crowd and without lots of other players on the golf course in the USAM. So I see how they, they could do that. Um, but I'm, I've never been a big fan of in course out of bounds. So, so I wouldn't do that. Um, they just tore down took down all the trees. So they're not yep. going to do that. Um, maybe you put some stands there. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to address it but I think it needs addressing and I'll be very curious. So, so that was certainly something that stood out to me, but to, to your point, Matt, I thought the U.S. Amateur Oakmont was so much fun to watch. It really and, was. and quite honestly, the guy who won was three down with nine to go. And it looked like there was no chance of him winning. And then, you know, he stuffs winning on 10 and next thing you know, he's got all the mo and boys it amazing to watch golf when momentum changes because it was, and he just, he was just such a cool customer. Even when he was down three, he did not right. look frazzled at that point. He didn't. And, and ironically, he was nowhere near on the list of favorites. And so, no. 
So no. here's a guy who doesn't necessarily even belong in the finals. I mean, that's maybe a wrong way to phrase it, but you yeah, know but what? Fifth I mean? year like, senior, Michigan State, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Not, not even on the radar. And to your point, he looked cool, calm, and like he was totally in a, in, in a comfort zone in the right place, not rattled at all. So pretty cool. That's what momentum and that's what match play does. Yep. Um, before we wrap up, a couple of local superlatives I think we ought to mention. Obviously, James Fleet winning back-to-back state AMs and TKL ask you here in a second for your kind of am experience if you want to give a recap of that um so james wins his second am in a row um lauren thibodeau wins the uh new hampshire women's amateur up at laconia we've had a a whole heck of a lot of success as a state with usga championships this year danny arvinitis just got back from the u.s senior amateur where he made match play and was three down through 14 and ended up taking it to the 18th hole so um you know, Danny managed to give his opponent a scare. Harvin Groft and James Pleat have qualified for the U.S. Mid-Am and Tara Wad qualified for the U.S. Women's Mid-Am a couple of weeks ago at Laconia. So for, for little old New Hampshire here, it's a heck of a representation that we've got in USJ events. Um, and I, again, I mentioned James, um, j- just a really cool, really cool scene for him to win back to back. I'm digging up something I found. Um Oh gosh, now I'm not going to find. Oh, since so since Tom Leonard won six in a row, six state AMs in a row from 47 to 52, winning back to back has only happened five times. And I said this during the award ceremony to to James. You know, winning two puts you in some really elite company. Um, going back to back is some pretty rarefied air, and it was it was something to see. It's it's you know it's not something that. I ever expected would would ever happen just knowing the grind of while I'm, you know, while I'm here with the NHJ, knowing the grind of that week, how hard it is to do once much, much less twice in a row. And, and James managed to pull it off and boy, he, and, he and Brandon played some really good golf on Saturday. It was great to watch, but, uh, but congratulations to all those players. Like I said, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of good golf in the state right now. That's for sure. You yeah, mentioned awesome. five. Could you could you quickly just list that? Do you have the list, actually, Matty? I'd be curious. I'm sure of Bobby the five started. who've done it. You know what, TK? Why don't you talk about um, your AM experience a little bit? I've got a couple of them, Scott, but let me let, dig the rest of them up real quick. I'd be curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, playing in the state AM is unbelievable. It gives you a completely different perspective on golf. You got to get the ball in the hole. You got to do it under a little bit of pressure. Um, yeah, and a typical probably TK fashion, my first T-ball of the week hit the maintenance shed. So um, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, so basically I'm walking back to the bag, grabbing a second ball and I'm already hitting three. So it's somehow I, uh, you know, I, I turned that round around. I had a good buddy on the, by bag. the way, I was, uh, my son was in the group in front of you. Yeah. So I was on the 10th green. You started on 10. I was on the 10th green looking back as I watched you and your caddy, Jake drive over to the maintenance shed. I wasn't really quite sure whether you had put a cooler over there or what was going on, but, but then, so then I realized you're, you reloaded and you hit your knee kind of flailed your next one in the bunker. Uh, now you've awful. got this really hard bunker shot and you got up and down, right? I did. I got up and down. So it was actually, they, you walked off with a, a good double bogey. It was an amazing double. I birdied 11, which kind of settled the nerves. And as you said, you were kind of in between groups 
And then it was like, it was a little bit magic on that nine because I played awful and I got up and down from everywhere. I was watching, man. I looked over at Scotty. Did you chip I, in on I, for par? Chipped in on, on par three? 13 for par and looked at you and you just laughed and I laughed back. And it was, but those are funny state and moments. And you just kind of, you got to kind of plow through those and then played really well on the back nine. The next morning, I forgot how to play golf, played awful. And then on the back nine, I played the best one of the best nine hole rounds I've ever played. And it's awesome, right? You get off and, and that was a fun little recap we did. And I'm, I'm sad that it didn't make, um, make air for various reasons, but playing in the AM is just unbelievable. So it's, it's, okay. you, we, yeah, we need to add to this, right? Because you, you want, you played poorly in the second round, first nine yeah. of which I watched it and decided, well, I'm not good luck. So I'm out of here. So I go to the clubhouse. Next thing you know, I'm getting a text from Jake saying our boys in Fuego so I think if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, you were four under yeah, on the sure. back nine yeah. and, and you sort of, you, you dropped the lead here a little bit because you end up tying and going to the March. Seven hours and 15 minutes later. Yes. I was, <laughs> I was in the March and um, I'm not a choir boy as uh, one can imagine. So we had some cocktails. We had a show, which was awesome. I, inter, you know, you're socially just you know, interacting with people, and it's a great time. The the energy at the AM is just unbelievable. And then at about six thirty, Matt starts calling the eleven competitors up to the first tee, and I've got I've got to loosen up. And when I tell you, I am by far the oldest competitor in the march by. I mean, 10 to 15 years. So you've got a lot of young kids who are, who are <laughs> flexible, let's say. And old man uh, TK was seven hours and 15 minutes removed from his last shot. So Well, I enjoyed the fact that, you know, I was, I was up there gathering the players around the first tee. You know, and what a great atmosphere at North Conway for awesome. the playoff because awesome. you've got 20 or 30 people standing up on the, uh, on the porch there with a drink. You've got people standing around the first tee. So I'm doing my announcements with the players and out of my peripheral, I kind of catch TK there with his phone on. He's just recording the whole thing. He's not listening to what I'm saying about what he needs to remember before he goes out there. He's just trying to capture the moment on this phone. And Oh, next on the T is Tyler Kelly. Oh, there's the phone back in the bag. Let me get my driver here. And, and he pumped one out there pretty good. I did. I don't know how I mangled that hole. I was the only one of my foursome in the fairway. And then I uh, made bogey and said, bye-bye. <laughs> so such is life of TK's amateur golf career right there. All right, Scott. So I I've got your, um, yeah, I'm just curious. Repeat five champions. since 1952, I think. So Art Butler, um, wow, Dick Dyan, Neil Cars won three in a row from 77 through 79. Donnie Folsom won back to back in 86 and 87. And then Neil Cars won back to back again in 95 and 96. So of the five, Bob did it twice. Yep. Crazy. Good. I was thinking Mike Flynn might be in there, but maybe he had someone in between his two wins or something. So, must have. Well, I think that's a wrap, boys. Um, boy, it feels good to, to get together and do this again. And, and um, to everybody who we've gotten great feedback from and said, where's the next show? Because we're eager to hear. We appreciate that. We feel the love and, and hopefully we'll be able to squeeze a few more in here before the season kind of wraps up. But this, uh, this feels good to be, be maybe back we'll do together, one from the Tommy sure. Keen. Oh, that'd be good. I think I'll that'll, that'll that definitely need the not safe for work um, rating on it. I think, <laughs> but that'd be really fun. But uh, I'm I'm glad we're back together and, and glad we're going to get a show out there. Assuming I don't completely screw screw it up trying to get it uploaded. So 
Great stuff, boys. All right. Stay thirsty, my friends. All right, boys. We'll talk to you in a bit. <laughs> Take care.